He's been in custody for two years. He'll confess. He's insane. It's a mistake to think you know what he'll do. I want to talk. <laughs> Thinking about you and me. About how this is going to happen. About who will end up killing who. Perhaps you'll kill me. Perhaps I'll kill you. You know that, don't you? Right, welcome everyone. This is episode 37 of the Comics in Motion podcast. As always, I'm Chris Phelps and I'm joined again by my good friend, Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hi, guys. Welcome to the Comics in Motion podcast. What we like to do here is we like to review media like movies, TV shows, and games that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be looking at the media from the perspective of a longtime comic book fan. And my co-host, Chris, will be reviewing mainly from that media perspective. And we'll walk through our given review of the week and we'll meet somewhere in the middle and give our thoughts on it. What we also like to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything. So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then I'd advise you just to pause the podcast, go and have a watch and then come back and then we'll walk through it together. So, Chris... News of the week. Did you see the Captain Marvel trailer? Brilliant. Yeah, really enjoyed it, David. I've got to say again, another nod to what we talked about with Hank McCoy in the... Uh, not Hank McCoy. No, Hank Pym, even, yep. Dave. <laughs> in uh, Ant-Man. Sorry, everyone. Um, but great use of Samuel L. Jackson de-aging himself in the trailer. And, he, and he's actually got two eyes as well. So yep. uh, I know that's not the main thing in the trailer, but I picked up on it. But no, I'm really, really looking forward to this. I think it's going to tie everything in a lot it'll make a lot more sense i'm hoping than for everything in this sort of mcu as well yeah they're just showing off with that de-aging now aren't they <laughs> it's just so convincing how, how they can do it. it it does look like a young samuel l jackson but uh I, I did see there was a little bit of controversy about it because he had more lines in the trailer than than Captain Marvel, and and so you know, saying it's still a bit sexist, you know, because the male gets more lines. I, I, I don't buy it at all. I, I think mm-hmm. I think she came off quite badass in that in that trailer. I think I think you're clutching at straws there, aren't you? Again, it's this. She, it's one of these films like like Wonder Woman, and I suppose in that respect, Wonder Woman's a DC property. Marvel need their own proper. Uh, woman-led film, don't they? Because obviously, we at some point we are going to get Scarlett Johansson out. We usually play Black Widow. Black Widow. Uh, that's they, it. They've talked about that for a long time, haven't they? I yeah. I question whether they're really ever going to do that because I think it's gone on so long now as being rumor. And then they were talking about, well, would would she maybe pair up with Hawkeye and do you know like a a Black Widow and Hawkeye type of movie? I, I'm not sure she'd be the the one to um, have her own movie as well, but I, I'm sure they're going to do more. And I tell you what, what I would love as a, as an X Men fan, quite honestly, would would be to you know see the X Men incorporated into uh, into the MCU. And then there are so many strong female characters in the X Men. Maybe have them spinning off and, and doing their own movies. Well, it's funny you should say that, Dave, because I was reading something yesterday regarding. Um... X-Men, you know, there's been a lot of questions about the MCU, you know, with the merger <laughs> with Fox and stuff, and they're saying that they are trying to bring it under the banner, and that guy's Kevin Froge. Kevin Feige. Feige, sorry. Yeah. He, he's going to be the one who oversees the X-Men, so he's had questions about Deadpool and stuff, and he's like, look, I can't comment on this, but I, it was what I was going to bring up, but I'm interested to see where they go, especially with the Wolverine, because to ever replace Hugh Jackman is going to be a bit of a poison chalice, I think. A bit like 
Ben Affleck with Christian Bale in my eyes. Anyway, you know, yeah. he's, he's a good Batman, but he's just not good enough for me. I think it's it's even worse, isn't it? Because we've seen multiple Batmans. You know, we've seen Michael Keaton, George Clooney, um, Val Kilmer. You know, we've seen good and bad Batmans. So Christian Bale, yeah, he's probably up there. But with uh, with Wolverine, we've only seen one. And he's absolutely killed it. So he is Wolverine, isn't he? Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And yeah. so to replace him, I, I can't think of a tougher role uh, to to replace, quite honestly. No, exactly, exactly. And I think even Professor X, Patrick Stewart played it so well. I mean, whoever plays him now, we know we've got uh, James McAvoy and doing mm-hmm. another It's probably the, the last X-Men on the Fox side, isn't it, as such? It will sort of be a bit of a hybrid across the MCU. But it's going to be very difficult to replace an older Professor X, I think, as well. So, because we've, we've mm-hmm. known him for the last 12 years or so. Well, no, last 18 years. Sorry, Dave. As them characters, it's 2000. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Interesting, really interesting. Yep, yep. And I, I tell you what, you know, the the X-Men franchise is, is it, under Fox. It's been a little bit hit and miss. Um, but... I think replacing those characters generally should be okay. Even Wolverine, I, I guess we all accept that it has to be someone new. There's going to be comparisons, no doubt. But the one question I have is, can you really replace Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool? Yeah, you just can't. You I can't. Don't, I don't think you can. I, I agree with you, actually. That's a great point. I think that's going to be an even harder proposition than uh, Hugh Jackman. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I really do. I think that's a great point, actually, Dave. Because he, he was the one who, as we said in our reviews, he championed that character. He made that character into something within the sort of film universe because he was addicted by the cartoons, wasn't he, when he got into him. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, and he, even if you look back at, at Blade Trinity, you know, you could even look back at that and say, well, you know, Ryan Reynolds was just kind of playing himself again in that character. Yeah. You know, you could... You could think he was Wade Wilson in with a lot of the lines he comes out with. So, yeah, so it's going to be interesting, but exciting. Yeah, exactly. And also, Dave, just a quick mention again that the episode is sponsored by studio.com. If you get over to www.studio.com and if you see anything that you like on there, that would especially in headset and headphones, uh, put in code Comics in Motion Podcast 15, as in 15. At the end, and you get fifteen percent off all orders. And uh, me and my, me and my, me and myself, Dave, that's terrible. Myself and Dave are rocking the headphones as we record this podcast, so there's no excuse, guys. Very good, very good. And if you do like the show, we'd appreciate it if you could head over to Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast catcher of choice is and give us a five-star review. And what that does, it helps grow the show. It helps us get out to more listeners when they're out searching for stuff. And um, just helps nice free way of just helping us a little bit uh you can get us on facebook as well at comics in motion at facebook.com forward slash comics in motion podcast or you can get us on twitter at comics in motion p so chris for this week we've done a few animated marvel reviews haven't we we decided i think i think we decided decided pretty much on the last show didn't we that uh we were going to head across and to the dc animated universe yeah, yeah, and uh, one that you picked out, Dave, which is a uh, killing Batman, killing joke from 2016. So I've been, it's been a great week, this, and I'm really looking forward to us uh, 
sort of pick, picking it apart as such and building it back up, hopefully. Yep. So I'll go into a bit of comics background then. So Killing Joke itself, it was released as a one-shot story. So that term one-shot, it just means that, you know, it's one comic. It's a self-contained story. It's not a story that spans multiple comics kind of thing. So it was a one-shot released in 1988, and it was created by uh, Alan Moore, who we've spoken about a little bit before, and, and the artist was Brian Boland. And it was actually Brian Boland who was the primary driver to do this story and he'd asked to work with alan moore um specifically you know he, alan moore had just done watchman very well renowned writer and uh it's generally considered to be one of the best batman stories now i think the frank miller stories uh the dark knight returns the uh batman year one those are probably just considered the best Batman stories, but given this is Batman the Killing Joke, this is up there as well. But really, it's the definitive Joker story. And it tells a story within it of, of a possible origin for the Joker. So not necessarily the origin for the Joker. What they say is kind of, you know, the Joker's mind is all fractured, so he, he doesn't even know how he originated himself. But, you know, we get this telling of the story within this, uh, within Killing Joke. Now, Moore had basically said that he wanted, in writing this story, he wanted to show the similarities and the contrasts between Batman and the Joker and how basically they just had one bad day, you know, and that set them on very, very different paths. But essentially, they're still they're both a bit crazy, just in different ways. So they're two sides of the same coin. And I think I'd mentioned this back when we did our Batman 1989, you know, the Tim Burton review. And I think I called out Killing Joke there as uh, as being one of the inputs into that story. I guess it, it couldn't have had that much influence given this came out in 88. The movie came out in 89. Um, so, but, you know, that was one of the, one of the stories that was called out as an influence and basically Boland called out that uh, his inspiration for this version of the Joker came from watching the man who laughs. Now, I don't know if you remember just calling it back to one of our previous interviews, David Hine had written an adaptation of the man who laughs. All right. So uh, just, just looping it back to one of our older, older episodes there. Um, now, for the original story, when it was released, uh, they they got on a colorist. So Brian Boland did all the art, and to color, they got a chap called John Higgins, who'd done Watchmen. And Brian Boland envisaged using what what he calls muted November colors. You know, it's been very dark, very very dour. Um, and John Higgins had colored it in, in a much brighter way. So it had these glowing purples and pinks and uh, Brian Boland wasn't really that happy about it. Um, again, calling back to that interview with David Hine, you know, he'd said, hadn't he, you know, sometimes just when you're all working remotely, it can just be a little bit hit and miss um, whether you get the outcome you want or not. But anyway, so in 2008, DC released a deluxe edition. And this was colored by Boland himself. So it really was, you know, how he envisaged it. So I think there's probably people, you know, who read the original story and have that nostalgia, probably like that coloring better. 
Um, but I've I've got a copy of the deluxe edition. It's it's absolutely beautiful. It, it's fantastic. So, in terms of recommended reading, this is a really easy one. Pick up that deluxe edition. Uh, like I say, you can. It's forty eight pages. You can read it in a single sitting. Um, really, really good story. Now, the last thing I'll say is um, Alan Moore is a very, very interesting chap. He's, he's a little bit of one of these tortured genius types. You know, he's certainly not in it for the money and very outspoken and, and very strong opinions. And he doesn't do comic cons really any anymore. But I, I was lucky enough to catch him at one. Um, he was basically in Northampton. That's, that's where he's from quite famously. And he, he still lives there. And there was a comic con there and basically he did a talk and, and he said, you know, once you pay your ticket to get into the con, everything's, you know, uh, going to the talks and whatever is free from there. But to go to this Alan Moore talk, he just insisted that you donate a graphic novel to the local libraries, which I thought was a a really nice way. And, you know, before he went into Q and a, he was kind of going on about how much he's, passionate about the library system and it's really important and so that's why you know he'd, he'd asked for that to be the the price of admission basically but i remember he said he, he seemed to be a little bit disappointed with what he'd done with this story because it's been done so many times since you know with the with the batman the joker this very very dark story with very adult themes in it and he was kind of saying, you know, Batman is sort of a bit silly. And he was talking about, you know, the old 60s TV show and saying, well, that's that's Batman, really. So he, he kind of seemed to be a little bit disappointed at the at the impact that he's had. But, you know, there's no doubt that, that it was absolutely a seminal book and, and uh, still has an impact on how people write Batman and Joker now. So... I guess the last thing is uh, I'll just say that Heath Ledger um, had said that he, he used Killing Joke as uh, you know one of his reference materials for uh, for his portrayal of the Joker in in The Dark Knight. Good stuff, good stuff. So Chris, do you want to give us a bit of movie background? Yeah, um, the film came out in 2016, directed by Sam Liu, and it was written by Brian Azzarello. And what was quite important in this one is that Kevin Conroy come back as Batman. Now, he, for any of the animated fans out there, he was Batman and always will be Batman across all DC's properties. He's done a lot of voice acting and a lot of TV work, but that is his main uh, break. And obviously, to go with Kevin Conroy, anyone who was into these cartoons, and like myself, to be fair, Dave, from the 90s, I've watched a lot of these, is good old Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. He is always known as the Joker to any of the main fans out there. Anyone who's into the animated DC properties, he's the man. You know, anyone else is a sort of imposter who's played the Joker since or before. One one of the things quite interesting is development of it had started around 2009, but due to, and as you mentioned, Alan Moore, which is quite interesting, Alan Moore film or the adaption of Watchmen, because it was such an underperforming DC property, it stalled everything. And then they just put it on the back burner for a couple of years. But then around about 2011, uh, Mark Hamill did an interview where he said he's, he's dying to reprise his role of the Joker because it'd been a few years since he played that uh, character. And then a campaign sort of started online for a good couple of years saying, look, you know, we need to get this in, people dogging and, and getting into sort of DC and Warner's uh, ribs about trying to um, bring it back into some sort of animated uh, movie or property. 
And then in 2015, producer Bruce Tim uh, confirmed that they were working on it and it was going to be coming out. Now, it's the first Batman film and Warner Brothers animated film to be rated R in America, which is quite interesting. It premiered at the San Diego Comic-Con on the 22nd of July, 2016. Now, it was supposed to be a straight-to-video, DVD, whatever, home, you know, home video property. But due to its popularity and the way it took off at the Comic-Con, they, they then decided to sort of do it as a one-night-only uh, simultaneous launch across theatres and digitally as well online, uh, which resulted in some big sales. I mean, it, it grossed 4.4 million worldwide. Now, obviously, in the context of the films that we review, that's nothing but going against how these come together and, and the sort of the life of this actual uh, film has quite a good return for them. So it, it's quite an interesting thing as well. And the only, the only thing with it, Dave, which, are, which is quite interesting, which I wanted to get into, is the, the response to it. Now, Mark Hamill and, Ke and Conroy are absolutely praised across everything for their portrayals. They just get the characters one works into another. Like I said last week, joking about me and you, the yin and the yang. I think uh, these two just must play off each other so well. I'd love to see a behind-the-scenes portrayal. Are they in the same room when they're playing these characters? You know, because the way they bat themselves off against each other, the interaction and, and banter as such is really good. And, and, and really, so that's really well received. But due to the, the actual... Um, relationship between Batman and Batgirl, a lot of people were not happy of that portrayal of her character and the way it came across due to the source material. And obviously I have no allegiance or sort of background knowledge to the source material. Obviously you've read it, you know the situation, but there were a lot of people were very, found it very uneasy. Some of the things that were portrayed regarding Batgirl and the Joker. Now I'll get onto that in a second, but one of the main things is like Rotten Tomatoes have only got it at 43% that's based on 35 reviews. Uh, the average user rate is 5.7. IMDb is the same. It's, it's only at half. It's at like 5.3 out of 10. So that's quite interesting for what this is. But one of the main things that people got into, and it's something that came in, came about in a lot of the reviews which are read, was what they did with uh, Barbara Gordon. And there's a lot of things implying that. Now, this is quite a strong thing to say, Dave, but I've, I thought it, it, I had to mention it. There's a lot of things saying that, uh, the Joker had sort of tortured her and, and almost well, suffered rape at the hands of the Joker. And there's a scene in it when Batman's looking for the Joker and he goes to see some call girls and he's sort of like, well, you know, where is he? And they're like, oh, he doesn't need this. Uh, he doesn't need us now. We think he So, yeah, due to this, that's that really badly, which he quite rightly should do. One with the film critics, one with the audience, and also the fact that they just totally sort of taking the characters down an alleyway they didn't need to. Yes, it was an R-rated film, but it was something that a lot of people uh, criticised. The performances weren't criticised, but the actual story arc and what they did with the characters was not something that uh, sat very well. And it was also mentioned, Bruce Tim, who was obviously the producer, and that he actually said, he said, there's no reason for people to think that. It was just a bit of the dialogue, but I just don't think it was done. I don't think personally it was done in the right way. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons I think it sits sort of in between, Dave. I think if you're a purist, you loved it. If you were someone picking it up and watching it, it was quite an uneasy watching certain bits, which I suppose quite. I suppose in some respects, that's quite a good way of portraying it in an animated film. Not not the actual uh, upheaval and uproar of what it's about, but the actual fact that it can relate to the to the screen like that. I find that quite interesting. So, so. I guess I, I I'll keep my powder dry mostly. So so we'll go into what I think people had a, a problem with and what what you know I found a bit uneasy. 
what I'll say is, it's almost a bit like, you know, we talked about From Dust Till Dawn. I can't remember which review it was now, but we talked about From Dust Till Dawn a while ago. And basically, Tarantino did the first half of that movie and, and Rodri- Robert Rodriguez did the second half. And it, they do feel like two different movies. Yeah. For this, the graphic novel starts about, I don't know, two thirds of the way through this movie. You know, yeah. without I didn't look at the times or anything, but they stuck on a whole bunch of story, like a prologue at the start of this movie that isn't in the original graphic novel. Yeah. And I think they misfire on quite a few things in there. The stuff around uh, what does the Joker do? That's that's the same in the in the book. So, yeah. you know, it, and you're not actually sure what's happened. It's all just, you know, you see bit, it's suggestive bits of pictures and, and stuff like that. So you don't actually know what's happened, but but that is the same across the book and, and the movies. But I think that there are a few other things that I think people had a problem with. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. And, and I think these things, the controversy of these things is sometimes is the best PR as well, Dave, because it made a lot of people watch it because yeah, of something yeah, out of the ordinary. It wasn't the Adam West version of Batman or Batgirl or whatever. You know, it, it wasn't that, or even the George Clooney era of Alicia Silverstone and that. So it, it's quite an interesting take, and a more, I think a more dark, real take on what the characters are actually about, really. Yeah, and I think the... If this was live action, you probably would have it as a PG-13. Yeah. but But the trouble is, if it's a cartoon and it's a PG-13, then people are going to be taking seven, eight-year-old kids there. It's, yeah. it's not appropriate for them. No. With, with the subject matter that's in there. So there's nothing... Most of it's suggestive, isn't it? Uh, so there's nothing specifically on the screen that's R-rated, but I, I, th- I think it it is an R-rating, if you know what I mean, yeah. just because of that, because it's a cartoon and the material that's in it. I, I think that was the right call. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Right, well, I think the best thing we can do, Dave, is get into the review. Let's go for it. Okay, so I talked about the start of this. So the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or something, just being a prologue that isn't in the actual story. And we start off very much from Batgirl's perspective and she almost breaks the fourth, well, she does break the fourth wall, really. She tells us, you know, this isn't how you expected the story to start. And I guess very, very quickly, you know, we talked about what what problems did people have with it? So she's out on on patrol and and she's trying to stop one of these criminals with with the help of batman but very early on in this story she comes across like someone with just a a schoolgirl crush on batman yeah and the way she's drawn the way a dialogue or in a monologue kind of thing it's just all she's very over sexualized now barbara gordon is quite a strong character you know her in her citizen persona she's a librarian you know she's she's in it for the right reasons you know to to fight crime and whatever whereas i think you know here she she's almost just she's trying to get batman's attention so you almost think well is that why you're batgirl then 
yeah. and you're pining after Batman. So you you know you figure you'll don the Batgirl outfit and and you know fight crime and maybe he'll notice you. I, I think that was very inconsistent with the with the character. And again, if you if you don't know that, fair enough. Yeah, I, I mean, what was your perspective? If you don't know what her personality is, that's what um, at all. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we start like you know, she's chasing these. We get Batman, don't we? He's with Commissioner Gordon. He gets his file and that, and then we do. We're introduced to her straight away, like it's the prologue. What I find quite interesting, Dave, is yeah, she's battling these two guys who are in a truck, and and you know, we then get introduced to this fire Batman. But what? I'm with you. What I find quite interesting is this, these little flash scenes where it pans to her as the librarian. And she's like having a bit of a dear John moment with this guy, isn't she? Telling him his, her sort of experiences with this guy who she, she loves and, and wants his attention. And I, 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 because I don't read the, the you know, the, the obviously graphic novel and stuff, I have nothing to, to bear that back on. But for me, it feels a bit out of place for Batgirl. I'm not sure whether it's a story that needs telling, if that is if that is the case. And also, it's a hell of a um, thing to become a crime fighter just to get Batman's attention. You know, it, 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 I agree with you. It's a very odd It's a very odd story arc, I think. Yeah, and, and again, all of this is purely for the movie. None of this is in the graphic novel. You know, the the sassy gay friend that she's got. You know, yeah. just a, it's it's all for the for the movie. Now, I guess the the reason they've probably done that, you need to buy into the Batgirl character. You know, you you need to empathise with her a bit. You know, I was saying last week about. Um, you know, some of the characters that got killed off in Planet Hulk, well, you'd only just met them, so they got killed off, and, and you don't really feel anything yeah. for them. I think what happens to her later, they're trying to give it a bigger gravitas by, you know, showing it from her perspective. Uh, we already know Batman, you know, we've seen his origin umpteen times, so we don't re- really need to see any of that. So I think that's why they glued this extra bit on at the start. But um, yeah, again, it, it just this whole opening uh, act. I, I I didn't really enjoy that much, uh, if I'm honest. No, and the one thing I would say, Dave, is very much what you said about they se- they sexualized Batgirl quite a lot. I don't know about you, but I, I felt a bit uneasy. This character Franz, who's her sort of main Paris Franz, is calling. He's like the robber, the lead. lead. Mm-hmm. And I must admit. I was sort of thinking, is this the Joker at this point? Do you know what I mean? Like, is yeah. this, is this going to become the Joker because he was smart? He had a few wisecracks, didn't he? He was very uh, confident. He didn't seem to be bothered about her or Batman, did he? You know, he could fight himself. All right, he wasn't a complete match for him, which obviously the Joker never is physically, but it's the devious arc in his character. So I don't know who this guy is from anyone. But what I found interesting was... Even this Franz, when she she gets cornered by him and that, it's almost like he's going to attack her sexually. Do you understand what I mean? Like he's going to be sexually. I don't know why. It just made me really uneasy. It made Batgirl really, really weak, I thought, in certain parts. Like she was one crack away from sort of being attacked by these guys in a bad... You know, in a... I, I don't know why. It just the, the way it was put together i just i really really do feel a bit uneasy well i think it's all the suggestive dialogue <laughs> yeah yeah so you know again it's you know they've over sexualized there there and you know it seems like almost this this paris franz guy you know he's he's a robber but you know he's he's got a one-track mind pretty much isn't he you know he's yeah. always throwing a few comments in there so again it was just 
it played up the fact that she was a woman and and you're right you're right it just it just misfired for me can i just say <laughs> i'm breaking the fourth wall here but dave does the notes don't you dave i, th- I thought he, you'd like that you've come out, he's come out everyone we've obviously you can't see it but it's the notes and the run of the of the the movie i have the movie running in the background which I've got on at the time. And as we're going, I'll I'll jump forward to whatever bit we're discussing. Because obviously we don't try and do every single scene, but we know we, we pick the bits up and you put, bring out the back condom. me, <laughs> <laughs> the line of the year in the podcast, Dave. I'm sorry, absolute amazing, um, amazing line. I've been sat here thinking, how am I going to segue that in? I think the point. I might as well just tell the truth what you put. It's amazing. What, what, I, see, what... I should have wrote breakout. That, that would have been better than it. Breakout the back. Oh, that sounds even worse, Dave. It sounds like we could be able to have a few, few back kids about if it broke out. But anyway, <laughs> the batarang was getting about, I think. But yeah, it's, it's well, obviously, Dave, you can lead us into this if you want. But fantastic uh, header, Dave. I've got to give you that. Well, we guess, <laughs> I guess just before that, you know, Batgirl's very enthusiastic. Again, it, it comes across that she's in it for the wrong reasons, but she does want to fight crime, uh, whether it's just to get the attention of Batman or, or not, you know, it's questionable. But, you know, Batman is playing that. Uh, uh, this is where it gets a bit uncomfortable. You know, he's, he's trying to play that father figure he's saying look you 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 need to get out of this game i'm i'm too jaded essentially i'm i'm too far gone but you still care and you know so you need to get out of it so he's, he's kind of trying to protect her there and and then one of the big issues i think that people had with the story that you know this this movie adaptation is that they engage in a bit of back coitus <laughs> <laughs> You know, so they have a bit of a scrap. <laughs> We've got the header of the year, the comment of the year. Oh my gosh! Well, so, so yeah, it's it's one of those old, you know, it's like one of those old, I don't know, fifties movies or something, isn't it? Where you know the man and the woman are fighting a bit, and then they just start kissing, and then uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, but um, I've again, never, I've never come across that in real life, Dave. But anyway, no, no, well, it sets a dangerous precedent, actually, doesn't it? But <laughs> um, so so anyway, you know, that's that's a big problem. Now, why have they done that? They've done that again to give you a, a greater gravitas with what happens later in the movie, but it's just not necessary and and misfired for me. It, it's just it's it's unnecessary. It's also a bit uncomfortable as well because um, if you think Bat- Batman and Jim Gordon are tight, aren't they? Yeah. You know, and in the comics... <laughs> I, think, I think Batgirl and him might be a lot tighter. <laughs> Sorry. I, 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 well, what I was going to say is, you know, in the comics, Barbara... Perf- <laughs> Prefers Jim Gordon Day. We might as well cancel no, this now because that's in, in the comics. <laughs> Bar- <laughs> Barbara prefers Dick. <laughs> Grace. <laughs> I love the force. <laughs> <laughs> Man, are we fourteen or what? <laughs> but 
people listening will be like, that's not even funny, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sickly me anyway. So, so yeah, there's more of a relationship there. I'll call him Batwing. Right? That's probably yeah. a bit, uh, Batwing. Uh, Nightwing, Nightwing or, or Nightwing. You know, early Robin. So... <laughs> So then you have, and, and also let me be abstract. So, you know, Wolverine has a relationship, like a, almost like a big brother type relationship with the likes of Jubilee, with the likes of Kitty Pride, And I think that's, you know, that's the relationship that they should have played off here. Now, they've stepped over the line there. Again, I see it from why they've done it from a story perspective, but it just, it just doesn't sit right. But anyway, so... Again, after that, and, and nothing shown on camera, really. Again, people had a big problem with it, but it's all just, you know, they talk about it. They don't show anything. And um, again, you know, Batgirl's kind of coming across like a just a jilted lover, isn't she? You know, he's not cold or anything or, you know, it's just it, it plays her off in a pretty weak light. Yeah, I, I think as well, Dave, I, th I think one of the issues as well is, in a cartoon, I know it's an R-rated, you know, movie, but we've never seen like a bra or anything like that, have we? And I think that's where the controversy comes from. And I agree, she, she you know, they, they have this, you know, suggest we know they have sex or whatever, but it it is she, she's almost like a stalker. It's the way it's played in it. You know, Batman's just basically fobbing her off and realizes the error of what's happened, but it is just basically saying like you know it's wrong we're supposed to be fighting for the good you know and all this so i think it it was supposed to be telling a story of if you're supposed to be a superhero you're supposed to be holy than hope everyone gets needs don't they i suppose but i i just i don't know i i, I don't know about that it just it's <laughs> i must admit dave i shouldn't be saying this but i kept thinking well how did they get the suits off so quickly you know what i mean <laughs> Well, if you watch Watchmen, I guess you you can uh, abstract yeah. that. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, you got to be in it for the right reasons, haven't you? Yeah, and I, I yeah, and I think I think as well, like it, it's supposed to be. She's just, she's trying to prove herself, and obviously this Franz is setting her up. In here, Batman's told her, "Look, you cannot uh, go near this guy. You're too." He says to her, "Dunny, you're too emotionally involved," and she seems to get off on the fact that he likes her, Dunny, and he. He has an interest in her, which I find a bit bizarre. You know, obviously that's what leads into them sort of having a bit of action, but it, it's also a bit of a, it's supposed to be showing like a, a character fall into it in herself. Like she's yeah. craving the attention, I think. Whether it's good or bad, she likes the attention, which I don't think that's, that's very, very I find that very, very sexist, if I'm being honest, Dave. It's quite yeah, a... Yeah, she, she just comes across like a narcissist, doesn't she? she yeah. She gets, you know, she gets the kicks from compliments from other people. And it's just... Yeah, it's just wrong. Yeah, really, really, really bizarre. And, and obviously she gives that Paris France an absolute paste in then, doesn't she? You know, she finds him um, in like that warehouse and, and literally, mm -hmm. she literally kills him, doesn't she, within an inch of his life? It's absolutely, I mean, which I think, I must admit, Dave, you know, I, I like the Hulk v Wolverine. As I said, I give it a, uh, it wasn't a, an Asgard, was it? It was... Um, Atlantis. Atlantis, I give it, and I really enjoyed it. But... I think the tone of this is a bit more, I know it's a, it's a bit more real, the people dressed up as characters, but I think because Batgirl and Batman actually don't have any superpowers, I like the tone of the R-rated stuff, mm -hmm. the, the blood and the gore. And, and the, I think that they, they hit that 
step correctly in this. I think it's more believable, if that makes sense. Yeah, quite grounded, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm buying into it quite a lot. You know, we've just watched Planet Hulk last week, and I know it's set in a different world. It's a totally different story, different everything. The arc of it's completely different. But I think I'm buying into this a bit more than what what I watched last week. Mm. Especially, especially the action stuff. I, I really enjoyed the action stuff in this, I must admit. Yeah, but basically because... Like you say, she'd beaten him to within an inch of his life and, and she kind of realizes that what Batman was saying was right. And so, you know, she does say, well, she is going to give up crime fighting. So it's, and, and, you know, it's a little bit kind of blink and you miss it, you know, it, because it's, it's quite important that I think yeah. with what happens later, but she's, she's stepped out of the game in her mind now. You know, she's not she's not going to put herself on the front line. She's just going to be that librarian uh, and have that civilian lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And I can understand that. I can understand what it's getting. I just think, I mean, I've got it running now, Dave, and we're half an hour into it. This is the whole prologue. And I, and I think, mm -hmm. like you said, is it necessary? The source material dictates that it probably isn't. And, and that's just going off what you've said and described to me, you know, and I trust your judgment on this. You've actually got the deluxe edition. You've read the Killing Joke uh, novel and stuff, and, and I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It felt this feels like two different animated novels that should mm -hmm. just be made separately. A bit like Hulk v Four, Hulk v Wolverine. I know they're different <clears throat> lead characters with the Hulk, but in some respects, it's not necessarily to. It's like they just put it all together. It, mm -hmm. didn't, it doesn't add really to the story. It's just a Batgirl origin story they could have done separately, I think. Yeah, 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 I agree. Because I think now now we get into really where the graphic novel kicks in, where the graphic novel starts. So Batman's investigating a murder, um, and he, he concludes that, you know, the Joker might be behind it, so he needs to go and, and visit the Joker in Arkham. That's where the graphic novel starts. Yeah. And, um so he goes through to him and, uh, you know, we get some dialogue. Uh, again, you know, I talked about Game of Thrones last last week. Some of the some of the scenes go on for like, you know, 10 minutes. And there's a lot of gaps between what they're saying, isn't there? Yeah. To build that tension. Whereas it. You know, and again, uh, when you're reading it on the comic, you kind of, uh, when you're reading it on the page, you're adding that in. Whereas when it's the voice actors, when it's the editors, it all seemed a little bit too quick. You know, this this bit, it's like they've stuck on this whole prologue at the start, and then they've got to the what I think is the real meat of the story, and they could have built the tension a lot more in that uh, in that prison scene, but it it just seemed to go along quite quickly but but essentially we get to see that you know the he thinks he's talking to the joker who's behind bars but then he goes to grab him and and you know the the white comes off so he, he knows it's an imposter and so uh so joker's actually escaped there yeah yeah and i think <clears throat> i could be wrong but i know it's a reverse type thing it's a bit like the jack nicholson one wasn't it he's got the flesh color on his face after he has the acid bath and yeah. his face is white. It was, I don't know if that was a bit of a, a nod towards that, or I'm not sure, but that's what I took out of that scene. When well, it, 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 if anything, it would have been the other way. So it would have been the movie because the um, 
the novel was first. The novel came yeah. out, and, and it's, 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 it finds him exactly the same way. You know, he, he grabs yeah. his hand, and uh, a bit of the white, <laughs> a bit of the white paint comes off. I was going to say now, the now, Dave. Now, now, Dave. We've already <laughs> turned the line here. We've ne- we've not swore or diluted anything like that. The whole episode. yes, the the white makeup comes yeah. off all over his hand. Yes. Um, <laughs> Definitely a pair of fourteen-year-old kids. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so, Shocking. so anyway, so so yeah, Batman's not happy to to uh, make it an understatement. But then we cut to basically the Joker opening. Well, we got Barbara Gordon and and Jim Gordon at, at home, and and she she answers the door, and it's the Joker there, and he shoots her right through the through the stomach, and. Uh, Again, I, I'm trying to think, did I know this the first time? Because it's, it, it's not immediately obvious, but the bullet's gone right through her spine, so she's completely paralyzed. And, um, you know, Joker and his goons go in there and, uh, um, you know, they, they rough up Jim Gordon a bit. And that's where, you know, Joker's got his, got his camera out and you just see him un- unbuttoning her shirt, you know, in a fairly sinister, ominous way. Yeah, which, which I think this is where it's coming from, isn't it? That he's, he's you know, the whole thing is they've done stuff to the Jokers, have allegedly done stuff to him, and that's what it alludes to. Is it needed, Dave? I'm not sure. I'm not well, sure. again, for, for the um, all all in the novel. So yeah. so they haven't created this... this uh, this for the movies again i'll come back to that uh statement that or not statement but, but but just those those few words that alan moore had said that this is about having that one bad day so basically joker had had we'll talk about it in a bit he, he'd had his one bad day in his the way his origin tor- story is told batman had had his one bad day you know, and this had set them off on two different paths. What Joker's trying to do here is he's trying to give Jim Gordon that one bad day. Yeah. So, you know, what Joker's doing to Barbara Gordon is not really anything about Barbara Gordon. It's about how can I drive Jim Gordon crazy? Yeah. Yeah. They make him, that's what it's about. They make him actually lose his mind, sort yep. of thing. And that's yep. obviously he's. he's most precious uh, thing in the world is his daughter. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're both fathers, aren't we? You know, we've both got daughters. So, you know, again, you know, seeing this sort of thing is it absolutely resonates a lot more, I think, than, than you know, if you watch it when you're younger before before you're a dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. Really good point. And, and obviously from there, Dave, they, they take him away, we get the thing, like you say, the Joker starts unbuttoning her blouse and it goes off, doesn't it? And then we go to sort of like the origin of the Joker. We've had a, a little flashback before this, but this whole idea of where he's come from and, and the fact that he's a failed stand-up comic, isn't he? And, and he's got like, which I find a bit interesting, I suppose, in that respect, that he, basically he was trying to support his family. One, his wife's pregnant, Jeannie, and, and he's just trying to sort of make a better life for him, isn't he? And, and, you know, she's supporting him, like saying, like, you you, know, mm-hmm. you, you are a funny guy, you make me laugh, you know, and he's, he's failed so far in his life. And then we get this thing where he, he meets these two gangsters, doesn't he, who want to rob his old workplace and, and yeah. you know, take him under his wing. He sort of wants to get them back. And, and um, 
Yeah, I, I think that's quite well done, to be fair, Dave. And what I like as well is the colour palette of it because it makes it feel like it's it's not present time as well. It's quite clever the way they've done that. They sort of like a a, a darker hue on the screen, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. obviously they're, they're supposed to be, they're dressed like gangsters, aren't they? Like 1950s, 30s gangs, whatever they're supposed to be. I don't know what time yeah, scale yeah, yeah. or how long before. Probably 30s. I, I yeah, yeah. So, But I do think it... it, it it's really well done. The browns and the greys of the screen are really, really well put together. I mean, it's actually quite believable. And I must say, Dave, this uh, outfit he's got on, I know it's not the Joker, but he reminded me of, I've not watched a lot of it because I didn't really like the first season, but Gotham, he looks a bit like uh, the Penguin, the guy who plays the Penguin in Gotham. All uh, right. I know it's, it's just a total different character, but the way he's dressed with the dicky bow and stuff, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I see that. Yeah, yeah. I think again, you know, and again, no, I don't think they're saying this is the actual origin story of the Joker, but in the context of this story, it is. Mm. You know, it's it's just. um, I I think it works really well because again, you know, if you think it's easy to demonize two dimensional villains, isn't it? You know, they want to take over the world just because they're power crazy and power hungry and, and you know want to be rich or whatever here they here what moore's done is he's made him a, a sympathetic character but not only sympathetic he's just mundane yeah it's not even you know if you think of batman 1989 he was um he was already like a top gangster wasn't he, he was already someone who's fairly high profile this is just a guy who's trying to support his wife and kid yeah. or wife and unborn kid yeah, yeah, quite humanise him, aren't they, really? Because yeah, he's, not, yeah. he's not actually maniacal, is he? He's just someone who's down on his luck sort of thing, trying yeah. to make good, which you don't ever get that with the Joker, do you? That that origin is never, ever told, ever. So I, quite, I was quite interested in that. Yeah, yeah. And and like I say, you know, they they keep it suitably vague. And in fact, if we, if we talk about just very, very quickly... You know, the Joaquin Phoenix, apparently, you know, they're going to do a Joker origin uh, yeah. movie, which I think is is terrible. You know, I think they nailed it in Dark Knight, where basically, you know, he keeps telling a different version of his origin story, doesn't he? Yeah. You, know, you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> yeah, everything's <laughs> so, done it every time. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's the Joker for me. Whereas if you actually put it up on screen and you say this is it, ah, it just breaks it for me. But but anyway, you have know. you seen? Just out of interest, Dave, quickly. Have you seen the pictures and the video of him? No, no, I haven't. If you if you look on Twitter, he's been up this week. You've got he looks like he's lost a lot of weight. He's got that hair like Heath Ledger had, where he's got the sort of side party, but it's straggly and a bit longer. Than you know what? Normal. I have seen it. Yes. I've I've seen that picture that you've described there but i yeah. thought it was I, I saw it flash up on twitter and i just thought oh this is a fan made no no that's in this week and then right, he, right, there's right. actually a video of that scene where he goes up to someone who's dressed as a clown grabs the red nose and sort of throws it past him and does a bit of a um, a laugh and he walks off he's got like a bag or something it'd be like a bit like roy cropper off coronation street from being honest so i'm not sure <laughs> how they're going to do that but that's the only thing I've seen because they've started filming it. So I'm, I'm interested to see it and I will go and watch it at the cinema. I just like you, how are they going to introduce that and how are they going to make him 
believable to the audience other mm-hmm. than being an absolute savage of a person. I'm not sure. But anyway, like I say, we're segueing off there. But yeah, if you get a chance, have a look at that. Yeah, yeah, I will do. As soon as we as soon as we finish recording, I like I say I, it flashed up and I just thought, yeah, I, God, I see so many like fan-made images that are really, really good. I I just thought someone had, had done it themselves. Um so anyway, yeah, like you say, the the criminals you know, he's set up with these criminals. He's just trying to support his family. And, and basically they, they tell him, oh, there's been an accident. And, uh, you know, his wife and kid are, are basically dead in this in this accident. Now, they they weren't stand-up blokes, these guys, were they? No. <laughs> and again, I, I you know, it was kind of, I, I wasn't sure whether it was implied, but it was certainly in my mind. You know, did, did they do that on purpose? Yes, they tip him over the edge. Well, um. They were obviously setting him up, you know, so this Red Hood persona was obviously known to the police. It, well, it wasn't this guy, um, but they were trying to set him up so that he, so that the police could take him in uh, and arrest him and whatever. And I guess, you know, if, if he's got less ties on the outside, um, I don't know, maybe he'll just sit his time out in prison. I, I don't know. I, I, I just thought, it all happened off camera, didn't it? Where his, yeah. where his wife died. And I just thought, oh, I wonder if it was those gangsters. Yeah, yeah. And I think, to be fair, I'd not thought of it until you just said it. So, yeah, that's that makes more sense, to be fair. And I think, Dave, as well, he, they give him the Red Hoods outfit, don't they? Yeah. Asking Kate, which does create a bit of a claustrophobic feel because they go to this, this, his old workplace, don't they? Mm-hmm. And then they get basically sussed out by the security, don't they, and stuff, who, who open fire. One of the gangsters gets shot. And then you can see that he the, the joke is absolutely petrified. He's the last man standing. They chase him, and we get the again, like you said, you are right. I was, you know, I'm wrong with that. But the original Batman from '89, where the Joker's sort of jumping in the acid comes from, because it's very mm-hmm. similar, isn't it? He ends up yeah, falling yeah. into a vat with this mask on. Uh, ends up going through the tubes outside the actual compound, and he's in like this sort of uh, waste area, and then his face is all white. And we turn around, and we get that brilliant. Uh, visual of, of his eyes with the blood dripping down his eyes, that maniacal white face and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Everything about it is really, really strong and, and just just how it should be for the Joker, I think, David. I really like that bit in, in, in the whole thing. And I think that's obviously that's the end of the origin of the Joker. And then we, we sort of it pans to now or the or the in this sort of adaption, the now within this story arc sort of thing. Yeah, so we get back to, you know, the attempt to try and drive Jim Gordon crazy, don't we? So, you know, when they'd when they'd attacked him and Barbara in the in the house or the flat or whatever it was, um, you know, they basically stripped him down naked and basically wheeling him round like a gimp. <laughs> <laughs> And it was again. You're thinking, "Yep, yep, this wouldn't be for my eight-year-old son to to come and watch for sure." So, um, well, actually, you know, we've probably skipped a bit. Um, I tell you, the bit we've skipped is um, just a little bit earlier when he buys the actual amusement park. Uh, I yes. thought that was quite interesting. Again, that that was from the book. But I thought Hamill's, you know, I mean, when we talk about who's the best Joker, I I do often, you know, for me, it's Heath Ledger in the movies. But if I'm to to bring Mark Hamill into that as well and consider the animated stuff, it'd be a close one. 
I, I mean, I, I'd really it's have brilliant. to think hard about that. He just is brilliant at, at that stuff. But the the calmness that he was kind of going around and, and buying this stuff and, you know, but just that actual, you know, that psychopathic uh, calmness that he has to, you know, kill off the guy who's trying to sell him the, the amusement park. It, it, again, I thought that was that was pretty chilling, that bit. Yeah, it was actually. And again, I agree. The nod to Mark Hamill, fantastic, fantastic. Re- really, really well done. And and he's bred and bought, Dave. I mean, 2016, he's been playing this part for nearly 16 years. It's like yeah. 1990, 91, he started playing Batman. So, uh, Batman Joker. So, it's just in his DNA, isn't it? We all know him as the lovable, sort of uh, U rated Luke Skywalker. You know, he's, he's not. He's, he's this total opposite end character and he's just a good actor really so, good actor so you say you level what, what was it what was it you level you level luke skywalker yeah you level like family orientated i think whiny <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just especially in a new hope it's some of the lines that he comes out with there you know bullseyes it Bullseye in Womprats back in his T16. He's just whiny, isn't he? The fact that it's him as well, when he, and I've seen it, you know, I've seen him at cons and stuff, just like video footage, when he's just speaking normally. And then he goes into this this Joker voice and his, his body shape changes and everything. It, it is absolutely awesome to see. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah, adds off to him. Like you say, it, it, it is uh, amazing that, that, he carries off those two personas that, that are just opposite ends of the spectrum, aren't they? Yeah, really good, really good. And, and you know, the Joker now, we're getting the proper Joker. I know we, we've... The, the problem with this is because the origin story runs literally the whole length of the film, we're touching on the origin, and I've sort of put the exclamation mark on it and said, right, this is what's happened, he's become the Joker. But really, it's still going as the, the movie's being told, we've sort of broke it down into three sections, haven't we? But mm-hmm. this Joker, obviously. So, you know, Batman then comes to try and get Commissioner Gordon, Dunny, and, and uh, it's all about him trying to make him mad, isn't he? And the Joker's trying to play with his mind. And I like all this, Dave. I think the colour and the art style is really good. And I love Batman's outfit. It's a proper nod to the 60s. Yeah, yeah. It's the old school one, isn't it? So not none of this Michael Keaton... No, pure black stuff, and certainly no bat nipples. Um, <laughs> is it Clooney? Clooney with yeah, the bat yeah. nipples. Um, but this is where uh, where Joker's trying to, you know, take him around the amusement park and basically break Jim Gordon's mind. Again, I think you know, in terms of the timing, what they could have done with the story, I think they could have played this bit up a lot more. But this is where we get the the pictures, isn't it? Of um, you can see Barbara's obviously naked. You can't see anything. It's all very suggestive. And that's, you know, probably intentionally ambiguous. What has the Joker actually done? But he's slowly trying to break him down. I think they could have stretched that bit out longer. And, you know, what I thought of was the old Charlie in the Chocolate Factory um, movie. You know, speaking of U-rated you, you stuff. But that... Um, that scene with Gene, um, what was his name? Gene Wilder? Yeah, yeah. Gene Wilder, yeah, yeah. Um, how could I forget that? Going through the going through the tunnel. Yeah. Do you remember that bit? Yeah, and yeah. It's just got, and for me, something like that 
would have been would have fit perfectly here because for me that that bit out of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was a lot more chilling than a lot of the stuff that the Joker was trying on there. Yeah, it was very considering it was R rated. I thought that this this end bit was very Saturday morning comics. You know, it wasn't really believable. I mean, it, apart, it gets... apart from dragging him around by a dog collar naked. Well, apart, yeah, apart from, that. from I, that, I don't remember that from Spider Man. No, no, but I mean the way that like, the Batman's attacked. He's attacked by a two-headed woman. He's attacked by the, the generic guy who does the old hammer uh, thing at the, the fair. Yeah, you know, all the, you know, all the and, circus folk. Yeah, yeah, the big, big woman as well. She has a go at him and all that stuff. And and I think what they should have done was they should have weakened Batman and made him go like you just said, make make him absolutely weak where he's either delusional or he's 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 basically within an inch of his life going to die. But he didn't. He just come in and absolutely just caned everyone, didn't he? He wasn't really in trouble at all. Even he goes into the House of Mirrors and, and there's a guy there dressed as the Batman and he ends up smashing all the... He punches every mirror, doesn't he, and all this, and you're thinking, oh, something's gonna, something good's going to happen here. But it, there's never anybody who's his physical match, is there, in this at all, really? Um yeah, and, and I'd say if it, if this really was a Batman story, they might have done that. Yeah. You know, so we, we talk about that theme, you know, the hero's journey and you kind of start off with someone, you break them down and then they finish the story. You know, you put them through some trials and tribulations and they come out better at the end. This is a Joker story, I think, and, and it's about that one bad day. So it's more about the Joker and what he's trying to do to Jim Gordon. And Batman's just the supporting act in it. Yeah. So I think that's why he's, he never really feels in any any kind of peril. But actually, while I say that, I mean, Joker gives as good as he gets for a little while, doesn't he? So once yeah. he, once Batman goes through all the different circus folk, he gets to the gets to the uh, end level, <laughs> big baddie, the Joker. You know, Joker gives him a, a bit of a pasting for a while there. Yeah, he does. I mean... I've got to say, Dave, I enjoyed what I've watched, but can we talk about the last proper scene the Batman's in with the Joker? I've got a heck of a problem with this. Go on, the, then. The joke bit. Yeah. I just didn't get it. I just thought, what is going on here? I just basically, anyone's not seen it. Obviously, we know spoiler. Please watch it if you haven't, and all that. You know, I probably should have said that earlier on because we're at the end of it. But, but genuinely. I didn't get what was going on here. The Batman tries to redeem Joker, doesn't he? He says to him, like, look, you know, we can rehabilitate you, blah, blah, I'm not going to kill you. Uh, you know, Commissioner Gordon's basically not thing he's still saying, no matter what you supposedly tortured him with everything, you know, with his, his daughter alluded to with attacked and all this stuff. But he tries to crack a joke, doesn't he? And he cracks this joke. So so just before we get to the joke, can I can I say a little bit there then? So what we probably didn't say at the at the start, and again, it's it's more clear from the book, uh, and, and you know, knowing what Moore said about the book since, it's all about the Batman and the Joker being two sides of the same coin. And yeah. when Batman goes in and he's talking to the, what he thinks is the Joker, it turns out it's this imposter, and he starts saying that basically, you know, we're we're both, our, our futures are, are intertwined, and you know, we keep tangling essentially, but you're going to kill me or I'm going to kill you. And I think Batman is, is concerned. You know, Batman kind of knows that they're two sides of the same coin and he doesn't want to step over that line to become 
something like the Joker. You know, if he if he say killed someone, you know, he could see himself potentially going down a dangerous path to becoming something like the Joker. So that's where the story starts off with with that concern. Um, and at the end here, so despite all the things like you say he's he's done, he still tries to put out the olive branch to the Joker and you know offer him some rehabilitation because he's again he's as much as he's doing that for the Joker, I think he's doing it for himself. Yeah. So again, it's just it's easy to skate over that bit, but I think for me, again, with the book, it, it's just it's more obvious that that's how it all joins up. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that probably makes more sense to you, Dave. And I think it shows Mark's uh, Mark Hamill's range really as the Joker, and I get that, and it's it's well put together with the Joker. But I was sort of waiting for Batman to sort of headbutt him or do something to him. And it just went off, didn't it, with him sort of Batman. He sort of like broke Batman, didn't he? And he was like a bit of a, I think it's supposed to show like a bit of common ground between them, want that, you know, even though they're arch enemies and they're never going to be friends, you know, there's still some respect there. But I just didn't think he, I just, I didn't like it. I must admit, I just thought, oh, that's, I, it, for me, that sort of uh, petered off the whole thing I'd watched. Even though there's a few issues with what they've done, as we mentioned with Barbara, I was really sort of upset, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It sounds really dramatic, but I was. I was just like, oh, no, you've really cheapened it at the end. I really like they've run out of ideas for me. Well, so so let, let me tell you something a, a bit different then. So, well, not, not different. Again, just coming at it from a, a book perspective. So th- that joke is straight out the, the comics. Yeah. And it, it's not that funny. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, it's, it's it's okay, but it's kind of a, I guess, a typically Joker type joke, isn't it? You know, he's talking about lunatics and he's poking a bit of fun at it, and the fact that Batman's laughing at it, not in the not in the end of Police Squad type way, but but like you say, it's it's all around this theme of this one bad day. They both had this one bad day, but they they do share this common lunacy almost. Yeah, and so. It it uh, it finishes in the same way, and they, you know, Joker starts laughing, Batman starts laughing, and then that goes on for a few panels, and then the um, then the laughter dies away, and you're left with a, a couple of other panels. But just before that, you see Batman, and you're not really sure the way it's drawn. You know, is he putting his hand on Joker, or is he going to snap his neck, or or something? So there's a bit of speculation out there. Uh, ambiguity in the book is did Batman actually kill the Joker in Killing Joke right at the end off panel? Now, in in the movie, it doesn't. (laughs) There's no ambiguity at all. It just peters out, like you say. But for me, it is something that's quite hotly debated. Now, I say it's hotly debated. Moore's more never intended that to be the case. Yeah. But it's just the way Boland's drawn it. It just it appears ambiguous. I, I don't know. I, I'll see if I can. Uh, uh, not sure about copyright. I could just snap snap the last page and send it through to you on on my phone after we've finished recording. But it is really interesting. And like I say, I don't think the writer had intended it that way, but it definitely can be interpreted that way. Yeah, it's interesting to get your take on it as well, Dave. Because obviously, you know. 
better than me with these things. You, you've you've read these source materials, so no, no, you, it was good. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. You know what I mean? I really did, it, but I just thought it 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 ruined the experience of what I've watched. If I'm being honest, obviously we'll get to that in the review in a sec. But um, yeah, and obviously the, the end credits roll, and then we get a end credit scene, Dave, which is quite interesting for an animated one, and we get uh, Barbara back at her, her apartment now in a wheelchair. And I wanted to ask you, Dave, is that something that was common that she was disabled after that and she, she couldn't walk? Or is that just something they brought to this story? No, about? no. So so in the in the continuity, I, I'll talk about uh, maybe another day we'll talk about what DC have done. They've kind of rebooted their universe a couple of times. Uh, you may hear people talk about the new 52 and Rebirth. Um, we'll maybe touch on those specific events on, on another day but that original continuity that was it she was paralyzed from there and oh, so yeah. she, she she was no longer batgirl a bit like robin you get other people running around as batgirl but barbara gordon no that was it she was in a wheelchair but she actually becomes this this persona called the or known as the oracle and she's wow. basically like an information she becomes an information broker essentially and so, uh, yeah, that's that's all in continuity. And and so, again, if, if you don't know that, I, I'm not even sure what the point is of putting it at the end of the movie there, because it doesn't really doesn't... tell you a lot, does it? But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 all straight from the books. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, cheers, David. It's just interesting to to see it and 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 the way it was portrayed there again. And like I said to you, and I said it in in some of the previous podcasts, it's opened my eyes to realising that there's more than one person plays some of these characters. The bread and butter, you know, Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent, stay as they are, but these sort of sub-characters, they all change, don't they, sort of thing. I know certain people, like we said before, the Black Panther and stuff like that, and even the dead, they're all changed somehow, or even if it's just for a couple of episodes within the, the comics and that. So it's, it's educating me when we're watching these things as well, so... Quite yeah. interesting. And I think you, you see that more. And, th and this is why DC have had to try and reboot a couple of times to simplify things. So if you think about it, you mentioned Black Panther there. So Marvel's only really been going since the 60s. So, you know, some of the characters existed before that, but real continuity. So they've only had to deal with it time since then. DC, you know, with Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman have been dealing with it since the late 30s. Yeah. So they've had a lot more stories. And again, these these early days of comics, it was never intended <laughs> that, um, you know, it, it would bring together everything in this massive continuity. You know, it was a disposable medium, wasn't it? They just yeah. wrote stories. And, you know, if they remembered to keep it consistent with previous stories, great. If they didn't, go figure. So, you know, I think because DC had been running for a, for a bit longer, they have to evolve. They have to have different people playing these characters. You can't have Dick Grayson running around as Robin in little tights for, you know, 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> I have no more to say about that, David. I think we just, uh, let's go into the review scores. Let's do it. So, Chris, I am sure it's you this week. I was going to say that, Dave, yep. yeah. I built it up all last week, didn't I? <laughs> um, yep. No, no, it's me. Um, 
I've got to thank you for, you know, indulging my ego sort of thing with this DC stuff. I just thought it'd be nice because we did have a back, bit of back and forth this week. We've got some ideas for next week, haven't we, and stuff. And it was almost changed uh, this week what we were going to do. But I also think it's a nice playoff with the Marvel stuff that we've done recently. So, no, I, I, interesting subject. Batman and Joker, great dynamic, great sort of enemies and, and uh, the way... Mark Hamill plays the Joker's fantastic. You know, Kevin Conroy, brilliant as Batman again, just how I remember it, watching it in the 90s. And I think even though this is from 2016, it's very much an old-style story arc. They've tried to modernise it with some of the things. I don't necessarily think all of it worked. It felt like it could have been a three-part episode it was a bit like when we did sin city where you're flicking these origin stories going on but you're flicking from character to scene and i can keep up with it you're not having to sort of go what the heck's going on but i also think maybe they could have done it in three sections you know like they could have just told the whole barbara gordon section they could have told uh, the joker origins or they could have done the joker origins first and then the end bit where Batman's in the actual thing. They could have done it like that. That would have been more interesting, I think, for me personally. Mm -hmm. um, violence, the fighting, the, the sort of characters on screen, the art style, fantastic, really good. Great colour palette, everything, really believable. Everything I, I remember of Batman, even Batgirl, the Joker. Like I say, when the Joker turns in the acid bath, fantastic, really good thing. And obviously quite true. And even I even like the bit when she gets shot, Barbara, when he comes to the door and the fear on her face. I thought that was done quite well. But the, the sort of vulnerability and sexualization of her, totally uncomfortable with. Maybe whether it's because I was brought up on that sort of PG Adam West stuff, watching that over and over again. I'm not sure. I just didn't like it. I didn't I didn't think it was necessary, as we both said. I'm not trying to steal your thunder. And I've got to say that end joke scene, I just wasn't on board with that at all. As a purist, like you say, it was in the, the comics. It was there. It's not that funny. I don't know whether he said he picked that. He actually wasn't that funny. And that's the whole point of the Joker because no one thinks he's funny. So he's got to be... It's like a dad joke. Yeah, like a dad <laughs> joke. And, and that's the whole point of it. I didn't get it. I understand they pan away from him together when the Batman's got his hands on his shoulder and it goes dark, the puddle. But I'm not sure, like you said, whether he's supposed to kill him. Whether he's... I, I don't get it. So for me, that that actually knocked it down, Dave. I, I was all on for a Halls of Justice, but I think he's got to go to Hell's Kitchen. Very good. So I was really looking forward to this, and I'd, I'd heard a little bit when it came out, uh, but not really that much, you know. And, and again, because it's such a short story, I I thought, well, this this is going to be a fairly faithful adaptation, and and I. I don't know how, but I'd obviously missed the fact that you know they stuck on this massive prologue at the at the start when I when I just heard this anecdotal stuff about it. So again, I was I was a bit surprised by where it started. Uh, like I said, being familiar with the story, it, it took me out of it a little bit. That whole portrayal of of Barbara Gordon was just a complete misfire i think it was unnecessary um the relationship between batman and, and batgirl as well just uh, unnecessary and and yeah just wrong <laughs> like say if, if i think of that uh you know big brother type relationship that i think uh i think should have been portrayed so 
for those reasons again i i think for this for the same as you i i was marking it down but it did step up so for me when it got into the story that i that i recognized then then it was good you know the art was good uh voice acting the, the, there's no problem with it there again i think could have done with a bit more game of thrones you know pregnant pauses uh just to build that tension i think um so you know if they'd have just had a few of those in and cut some of the prologue stuff out you know they they could have still kept the same length of the movie so i i think as well because i hold the the graphic novel in such high regard um i was expecting a lot from this from this story and from this animated uh, movie so i'm going to send it to hell's uh, I'm, I'm struggling actually so i ah, it's in between kind of a hell's kitchen and a, a hall of justice i think because because the the source material is so good and it didn't really you know the the bits they did of it they were faithful to yeah you know and it was done fairly well but just let that bit just expand a bit on that and not have the prologue stuff but is it the worst kind of animated thing well not really so the reason i paused there i th- I, th- I think no i'm i'm going to stick with what i was originally going to say so it's going to hell's kitchen for me as well the reason i i stopped to think then i thought well actually is this is this better than planet hulk and I think if I just take the the second the, the second two thirds, if you like, so if I ignore the prologue, yes, definitely better. With the prologue, yeah, it's probably somewhere around the same. Yeah. So I, I think that's why I was just tying myself up in knots there, thinking is it is it Hell's Kitchen? Is it a, is it a Hall of Justice? No, no, definitely Hell's Kitchen. Good stuff, Dave. Very good stuff. No, interesting subject this year. Really enjoyed it. Now, obviously, we mentioned them before. Big thanks again and shout out to our sponsors, uh, Studio. So if you get over to www.studio.com, if you want a headset, headphones, why wouldn't you? Let's be honest. If me and Dave are rocking them, why are you not rocking them? Get buying on there. Use code Comics Emotion Podcast 15 and get 15% off, guys. And I am definitely moving into adverts after this podcast, Dave, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Chris, have you got any any plugs for us? I have, Dave, yes. Uh, we need to get, and we will get back on the road, the Chat Footy podcast. I think in this weekend's looking likely. All the stars are aligning again. We get Ben and myself and yourself back on board for a chat about the footy results over the weekend. And obviously... We haven't done one since United have been winning, Dave. So I need to get you and Ben back because being <laughs> at Liverpool supporters, I got plenty of stick for the first few games, and quite rightly. Uh, so if you get over to at Chat Footy on Twitter or on iTunes at Chat Footy Podcast, uh, get on there, give us a follow. Myself and Dave are involved, and we're always just knocking around on there the social media stuff. What about yourself, Dave? Yep, I keep mentioning the Grassroots Coachcast, all about youth soccer or youth football coaching. Uh, at some point, we will come back from our summer holiday <laughs> <laughs> and actually release another episode. So we've had a few emails abusing us because uh, we we've taken an extended holiday there. But at some point, we will get back in the recording uh, mode. 
Good stuff, good stuff, Dave. Now, obviously, next week we'll be back with another review. We've already decided on what we've, we're going to do, but we'll tell you more this week, I think, on social media. So, as always, I've been Chris Phelps and Dave. It's only right that you should lead us out. You know, I don't know how I forget about this bit every time. Every time I forget about this bit. I'm so giggling as soon as I say it. I know that I know this the panic on your face. Like, what the hell's he doing again? I, I get you every week with that. Okay, be safe out there, kids. And if you're going to engage in a bit of back coitus, break out the back condom. <laughs> Bye. Tell me something, dear. Have you ever had a really bad day?